This message was recorded at North 2013, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. Well, you may ask, why on earth are you closing North? 2,000 people gathering, amazing work amongst our children, incredible healings, the blind, eyes being opened, people getting saved, whole families being affected, people being sent to the nations, villages right the way across the world being affected by what happens here. Why on earth would you shut it down, Jeremy? What's the point of that? Well, simply, we felt God spoke to us. And as a team, we want to be, number one, obedient to God. It all happened when, when it really started as a bit of a joke. Somebody joked about, you're not a real apostolic team until you shut a Bible week down. <laughs> Terry Virgo, shut downs. A little bit later, New Frontiers team, shut down Stonely. And we joked about it, and as those words were being said, you're not a real apostolic team until you shut a Bible week down, I actually felt God whisper in my heart, and you will. (laughs) And I said, thank you very much. And so I kept that to myself. I didn't say that to Anne or the team or anyone. I was thinking, oh my goodness, how are we going to shut this thing down? Is that right? Ten years? And then as we gathered as a team, only recently, only this year, sort of springtime this year, God started to speak to us as a team. I think it was Tony who brought a word to us that God was going to give us new wine, new wine of the Spirit, new wine of His presence, which we've been experiencing, new wine to delight in, but that that new wine necessitated a new wine skin. This wine skin of North, wonderful though it is, balm been expanded, extended, grown from 400 to 2,000, it's just not big enough or robust enough or wide enough for what God wants to do. That was on day one of our team. Day two of our team meeting, I do my daily Bible reading, as you do. Not particularly looking for something, but I read that morning Jeremiah chapter 18 and it so resonated with me it says this this is the word that came to Jeremiah and of course my name is Jeremy it's an it's a derivation of Jeremiah that's what it, it that's what it's from so often God has spoken to me from Jeremiah the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working hard at the wheel. But the pot he was working on had become misshapen and was marred in his hands. So the potter reformed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best for him. And I felt God say to me, North needs to be totally reshaped. 
We need to do something different for a new generation, different for a new day. This new wine that God's giving us, this wine of his presence, this wine that God is with us, needs a whole different shape. So we took the brave decision to shut North down. Now, this is massive for us. It's not only a great apostolic gathering, it's actually a great fundraising gathering for us. We fund all our church plants. We fund all the mission that we're doing from this great offering that you gave us yesterday. Thank you so much for that. I'm confident that will grow. What's happened every year is people have added to that. It's gone from 80, 90, 100. It will just grow through that. I'm confident that God will do that. Thank you very much for doing that. But we're thinking, why are we doing this? Simply, we're doing it to obey God. And what does that mean for us as a team? Well, what we felt God say to us is that for 10 years, we've invited you to come to some fields, start at Hollybush, now at Hutton Rugby. We've invited you to come to us, to come to this field, sometimes a rather muddy field, I must confess. But we felt God say, actually now it's time for the apostolic team to get on the road. It's important that we act biblically. And if you look into the Bible, if you look through the wonderful story of Acts, what happens with Paul and his apostolic team, what happens with others and their team, is they don't invite people to a big Bible event. They actually go on the road. And what we feel God is speaking to us for next year, for 2014, that God would have us as a team visit all the regions that we're working in across the world and particularly in the UK. So we've got some visits to Canada planned, three visits to Canada planned. We've got some visits to Africa planned. We're going to be having this amazing Africa Leaders Conference in Zambia, taking our team on the road. We would like to come to every one of the regions that we're serving in the UK and to serve you rather than you come to us, us come to you and to see if we can't see some breakthrough in church planting, breakthrough in leadership, breakthrough in new things together, breakthrough in signs and wonders, God giving us breakthrough, God giving us his spirit, that his presence is with us. So that's what we feel God has spoken to us about 2014 next year. But then we felt God say to us, actually, I do want you to gather again. And the Bible's full of gatherings of God's people. It's full of times when God's people come together. But what we felt was this. It should be a totally different gathering. It should be a totally new gathering. You see, the trouble is, if I can say this honestly amongst friends... What we've really done is what I call Super Sunday. This is really very much like a Sunday morning, isn't it, in your church? Great, obviously not. Great worship, great worship, great stories, great preaching, we hope, great empowering. But what we felt God speak to us is that actually it doesn't necessarily touch all of life. So we felt God start to speak to us about an international festival-style gathering in the heart of the nation where we can celebrate all of life. You see, the trouble is, in our view of leadership, in our view of influence, 
in our view, what we do is this. We say, if you are called of God to be a leader, to be an influencer, this is the subliminal message we give out. If you're called of God to do that, then you may one day become a small group leader. If you do well at that, you may one day become an overseer in the church. Have a whole department. And if you do really, 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 really well at that, and if you happen to be a man, (laughs) we might make you an elder in the church. But do you know what? And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not devaluing eldership. I love eldership. I love working with eldership teams. I love what God's doing in terms of raising up leaders. I love eldership. We love establishing eldership. It's God's government in the local church. God loves leadership. But do you know what? It's actually only a fraction of people that are called to be an elder, anointed by the Holy Spirit to be an elder in the local church. But get this, every one of God's people is called to be a leader. Every one of you is called to lead. Everyone. We have a rule in Christ Central Manchester that we assume that God has sent you to us, whether you've just got saved or whether you've walked in from another setting, we assume that you're a leader until you prove us wrong. You have got leadership all over you. You've got greatness all over you. See, this is how God originally made you. He didn't make man as a puppet. He didn't make man as another animal just to do a few functions on planet Earth. He created mankind, both male and female, to rule on planet Earth, to be his co-reigners, to be his viceroys, to be his regents on planet Earth, to carry his image. In the writing Probably Moses writing Genesis, we don't know for sure, but probably gathering together ancient stories, ancient documents, probably bringing it together in the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. Moses, when he refers to the creation, uses this, that we are created in the image of God. If you want to know what God is like, look down the row. Because we're made in the image of God. Now, in the Mesopotamian world that he's writing in, that he's writing to, that would have had huge consequences because there was only one image bearer. There was only one who bore the image of God and that was Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh was the son of God. Pharaoh bore the image of God. And all round Egypt, they would have set up statues of Pharaoh as the image bearer. Pharaoh as the one who bore the image of God. And as Moses is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, no, we're all image bearers. Every single one of us is called to bear the image of God. Every single one of us is a reigner. Every single one of us is a ruler. Every single one of us is called to bring heaven down to earth. Every single one of us is called to bring his kingdom to come. Everyone, not just a few in the church. Now, of course, we know the sad story 
of how our forefathers lost that. Of how the serpent beguiled Adam and Eve. Did God really say? No, no. You can you don't want to be a leader in reference to God. You can be your own gods. You can do it your way. And of course, the moment they did that, they stopped being God's representative and they represented the enemy. And they lost the right to rule. They lost the authority to bear the image of God on planet Earth. Now, of course, what God has gloriously done, as we were hearing last night, the big picture, what he's done through Jesus is to totally redeem all that Adam lost and actually more than Adam lost. Because now we're not only just God's representatives in Christ, we're not only those who are called to effect rule and reign and change in circumstances. Actually now we're in Christ We're joined to him. We're the very body of Christ. We are now not seated in a plastic chair in a barn in Hutton Rugby. You might think you are, but you're really not. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're ruling with him with authority over all things. You're now a ruler and a reigner with God. The great reversal has happened and now... God's people are being scattered all over planet Earth to bring in his rule, his reign, his government, his kingdom come on planet Earth as it is in heaven. Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man, if by the sin of one man death reigned, through that one man, how much more, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You see, you are called and I am called not just to now bear the image, but to be his kingdom in expression and wherever you are in life in school, in college in the office, in the boardroom, on the factory floor in your neighbourhood in the job centre in your social club in the areas where you live and breathe and work and you're praying for God to move, do you know what? God has moved because he sent you there He sent you there to be his representative on planet Earth. He sent you there to shine light into darkness. He sent you there to bring kingdom come into your situations. This is everything we were talking about last night, about us being presence carriers, being those who bring in the kingdom of God. But often we shape our conferences around how to be effective in the church. We want to do something totally different in 2015, if you'll bear with us. We want to provide a gathering point that helps shape us for life, that helps equip us in every area of life, every domain of life, every sphere of influence. 
It's interesting, sociologists, they say this. There are probably eight spheres, kind of overused word, eight domains, eight areas of life. Now, this won't necessarily equate just to the UK, but if you take globally, there are eight areas that sociologists say everything in life fits into. This is, the, this, this is the eight. Number one, this is no particular order. This is just ha- how it is. Economic and financial. That area, that domain of life. The economy, the banking, the money. Makes the world go round. Dirty money. Christians don't have anything to do with that, do we? Oh, no, no, no. Agriculture. Now, perhaps we're slightly removed from that in this country, in this setting, but is that we travel the world, agriculture, so important, the food, the supply chain. Number three, education, learning, growing, developing. Number four, this could be described with three words, the scientific world, the medical world, the technological world, the world of new invention and development and ideas and medical research. Number five, communication. That's massive in our world, isn't it? New technology that we can now talk to one another right across the planet. We can now send pictures. We can tweet a picture here. Suddenly it's picked up in Africa. Number six, arts and entertainment. It's massive in our world. It's massive in our culture. Celebrating all of life artistically. Everything to do with creativity and entertainment. Number seven, governance and justice. Bringing truth and righteousness into that. And lastly, what sociologists call family and social life. The family unit, the social life, being together. Now, people say, where does the church fit into that? And traditionally, it's been placed, we've been placed in the family and social life. Don't get involved with arts. Don't get involved with education. Don't get involved with economics. Don't get involved with agriculture. Don't get involved with these things. You can have a little place, if you like, right down here in the social and family life. The mandate that God has given us is to influence all of life. Where does the church exist? It exists in every one of those domains. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything. We're called to influence all of those. And to be honest, we haven't done a very good apostolic job of equipping and releasing artists. Equipping and releasing scientists. Equipping and releasing lawyers. Equipping and releasing those in the banking sector. In fact, we've done the rather tut-tut, naughty-naughty. Please come out of that dirty world. Now, there is some dirt in the world. But the reason the dirt's there is that we're not there. The reason there's pollution, the reason there are problems, the reason there are difficulties, the reason that the arts world's got seedy is that we've taken ourselves out of the world. And Jesus didn't say, come out of the world. He just said, don't be of the world, but be in it. Let your light shine before men. We've taken a few tentative steps in the issue of social action. Social justice, 
social enterprise, but there's massive more that God wants his people to be in. So in 2015, in the heart of the UK, at Newark Showground, where interesting new wine have been for the last few years. They've gathered 7,000 people there. there. I had the privilege of speaking this last week at their event. They were closing their event down, interestingly enough. They're moving down to Shepton Mallet. Opened the door, actually, for us in 2015 to come to Newark. And we want to invite you to be there. We want to invite you to be on this massive adventure with us as we explore what it is like to be a godly banker. Don't we need godly bankers? What is it like to be a godly judge, a just judge? What is it like to be someone in the arts and media and entertainment industry? What is it like to be a farmer full of the Holy Spirit? What is it like to be someone who's involved with education, who brings in the kingdom where they are and where they live? Now, we're still going to have some meetings. We're still going to have some gatherings. We're still going to have worship and God's word preached. But we're looking at the moment how we can have a whole village atmosphere gathering thousands together at Newark in two years' time where we can have zones where we look at these things, where we network together, where we share ideas. Interestingly enough, a couple of the most popular seminars this week have been those on business and the workplace. I think there's a hunger. We've equipped Christians well. We've done that well. We're not going to stop equipping people to be Christian leaders, church leaders, elders, overseers. We're going to carry on doing that. You heard me today say that. But we have a commitment. We have a passion. We have an apostolic mandate to prepare the people of God for rule on planet Earth. You see, one day, when this new heaven invades this renewed Earth, and Jesus comes again in glory to planet Earth, we're going to rule and reign. We're not going to be sitting on clouds like some chubby cherubs, although some of us might look like it playing our harps, singing Kumbaya. No, there's going to be functions and jobs and roles and responsibilities, areas to rule over, cities to manage, angels to judge, whatever that means. But we're going to have amazing authority and responsibility. And guess what? Like everything else in God's kingdom, we get to do that now. One day, no more sickness. What do we get to do now? We get to say to AC, blind eye open. One day, every family, family restoration brought in. What do we get to do now? That dear lady, as she spoke, bring family restoration right now. We get to do it ahead of time. So we want to invite you on this journey together. I believe previous generations have done it in this nation. This nation's infrastructure is full of a previous generation that we would call now the Victorians, who actually were not fueled by philanthropy. They were not fueled by good wishes and good ideas. What fueled the massive 
social change that happened in the Victorian era with education, with hospices, with hospitals, with trade unions, with massive movements. What changed that actually was the Wesleyan and Whitfield revival. That's what spurred it. And you had men and women who rose up in authority. Men like Wilberforce, who was first tempted to go into the ministry. Was first thought, when he got saved, perhaps I should go into the ministry. And I don't know if you've seen that wonderful film, Amazing Grace, when he goes to see John Newton. And John Newton says to him, that anyone can do that. Anyone can go into the ministry. Anyone can do that. But you have got something special for life. You're called to impact a nation. Go into politics. And he goes into politics from Hull. And MP from Hull. And in his lifetime, abolishes, sees the abolition, the, the abolishment of slavery. Wonderful. Men like Shaftesbury, Cadbury. The, these men changed the world that they lived in. I was on a train recently, travelling from Manchester to London. I was sitting next to some top trade unions, some top men in the trade unions. And they were talking together. They were asking me over the table, what do you do? And I explained that I was a Christian pastor. And one of them started to jeer a bit at me. What's the church got to do today? What's the church's influence in society? It's diminishing nothing. The other one turned to him and said, be quiet. Be quiet. He said, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the church. We wouldn't be having trade unions. We wouldn't be having representation of workers if it wasn't for godly Christians who set this up in the first place. So be quiet. And we had a great conversation about Wilberforce and Shaftesbury. And this guy wasn't a Christian, but he knew his homework. He knew where the influence had happened in society. Guys... Whatever, and girls, guys, I always mean generic, by the way. I mean guys and girls. I mean men and women. Guys and girls. Men and women. Because this is across the genders. This is across the age range. This is across nationalities. We are called to rule and reign with Christ in life. Not just in some future age, but to bring the heavenly future age into a now reality. And dear friends, that's our apostolic mandate. And we want to equip you, train you, motivate you, stir you and provoke you. We're believing God for Wilberforces to be raised up. But we're also believing God for little influencers. Let me finish by telling you this story that some of you have heard me tell before. It's a story of an NQT, newly qualified teacher. A young girl called Laura who'd just come out of teacher training college with bright ideas, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, wanting to change the world for Jesus, goes to a London school and encounters... Division, anxiety, tension, lack of order, lack of authority. And do you know what epitomises it the most? Not the classroom, but the staff room. They're jolly worse than a lot of the pupils. She thinks, I know where this is coming from. And do you know what epitomises it most in the staff room? The fridge. 
she opens the fridge, and in the fridge are those yellow post-it notes. You know the ones? And on those is like milk, mine. Get your thieving hands off it. Eggs, sandwiches, that's mine. Stop. To the so-and-so who pinched my sandwich last week, go to hell. You know, there were just nasty things on the fridge. And she thought, what have I come into? And she felt God say, you've come to change the culture. How do I change the culture? I'm a newly qualified teacher. I've got no authority here. I've got no power. You've got every authority here. You've got every power here. Go and buy some milk. What do you mean, go and buy Go and buy some milk. So the next day she bought the biggest, you know, one of those big ones. 16 pints, no, I don't know what it is, six pints or something. She brought it in, and she brought it in, and she put it in the fridge, and she put a yellow sticker note on it, and she said, free milk, help yourself. She said, within a week, all the other notes had come away. Because she repeated this day by day for a week. Within a week, they'd all gone. She said, within a month, the atmosphere in the staff room had changed. People were talking to one another. They were joking together. They were laughing together. They were supporting one another. Within a term, it started to change the classroom atmosphere. And within a year, the education standards of children were changing. Why? Because Laura bought a few pints of milk. She's a world changer. Now, we can tend to think of Wilberforces, and pray, I pray like mad that we'll get some Wilberforces of our day. But I also pray that we get thousands and hundreds of thousands of Lauras who change the world. Dear friends, this is our apostolic mandate. God is calling us to change the world. Just to end, Joseph, would you come up? Where are you, my friend? Joseph Mawilla. I would like Joseph just to pray for us. As we close this conference, we're going to sing a final song. Yes, the band could come up as well. But I would like the last word for this, not to be a Brit, but to be an African, representing the fact that God has called us now no longer just to be a family based in the north. That's another reason why we need to stop this. We need to be stop being so geographic, or rather get a bigger map. I want the last word of this conference to be from an African. So let's welcome our dear friend Joseph. He's going to pray. Thank you, Jeremy. Woke up this morning and the Lord led me to just read that scripture. Let the nations be glad. And I thought, what does that mean? I prayed into that, came into the morning prayer meeting with the leaders. And as we were praying, uh, I opened my eyes and uh, caught the words, from the north to the nations. And I began to pray into that. And as we were praying with the leaders, that just grew. Then I saw a prophetic picture. And here was the prophetic picture that I want to share with you. We were sat as we were in this auditorium. Then all of a sudden from the front, this area from the banners there, to the balance there, there was a huge map of the world. So the continents and the countries from North America, this end, and South America into Africa and Europe and uh, Asia and uh, 
Australia, somewhere there. And then I saw something really interesting. All this was in high, exciting technicolor. It was bright and colorful. And then I saw something else. There were ribbon strings in different colors coming from the auditorium where you're all seated and each one linking into a pin on a particular location on the big map of the world. And as you might imagine, there was just a colorful ribbon strings crisscrossing all over this auditorium from where you are seated to a particular place uh, on the planet. Uh, different colors, different uh, strings, but linked to a particular person seated in the auditorium to a particular point on the map. And I felt a sense like, I felt we are not asking people to take the nations. They already have the nations in their hearts. And in a moment I began to feel that many of you as you're sitting there, you have a connection to a place somewhere in the world. It could be a connection of a relation or something got dropped in your heart or, or it could just be a burden you have for a place. Some of you have never even been there. Maybe some of you have been there. And as I shared this with the leadership, I thought, I don't know how you make of it. And, and they just felt, why don't we just do it as the end? And I just feel as we finish this, uh, uh, by the way, one of the key things was these strings were not just sort of formal little strings still. They were more of a celebration. They were, there was movement. There was excitement as emotion linked to a heart and to a place. And I just feel that that scripture, let the nations be glad. As we impact the nations, we go from north to the nations, would like probably to trust God and do this prophetic act. Many of you that are there with a burden for somewhere that God has put into you. Now, it may be just a slight feeling. You may not even know how it shall be. But there is a connection somewhere to a continent, to a city, to a nation, or even to a neighborhood. Uh, I, I pray that as Jeremy has so very much impacted us, and as somebody from the nations, why don't we just connect to that? So, uh, in terms of uh, uh, just really release something in the spirit as you connect to that place. Um, so we will stand. I don't know how we do this. Help me. But we will stand. Now let me just give this challenge with permission. Uh, if what I've just said connects you with you, there is a place in your heart. There is a ribbon from your heart to some place on this big, imagine this huge, huge map of the world. Could you wave at me? Look at all those hands. There is any, any connection. Look at all those. Wonderful. 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 I'm hearing cities.
being shouted at, being, uh, being spoken. I'm hearing nations being, uh, you know, nations, some of which we've never even thought of. They may not even be on the radar of the apostolic team here. But they are on your radar because that's what you're called to do. In whatever domain of life you are. Uh, let's just pray for a moment for those. But I, I just felt there could be a way in which we could just begin to shout out those. Shout out those in, in a way. Uh, but let's just pray. Let's just pray. As we finish this, maybe uh, we could do that in a moment. Father, we thank you for the world, the nations of the world. You said from Judea, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And unto the uttermost parts of the world. Father, today, as we end this great conference and enter into a fresh era from the north to the nations, we pray, dear God, for the burdens we carry. We ask that, dear Father, this is a launch pad to the next phase of the story. Yes, to the next phase of what you're going to do. Lord, not in one place, but all over the world. Father, to the people with a big vision and to people with just a small idea. Lord, we release what you have put in our hearts. We strengthen those ribbons and the connections to those places. To those places. To those places. In the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, dear God, as we enter into a new era of, dear God, impacting, affecting the domains and the different spheres. We pray, dear Father, release us, O God. To make our nations glad. Release us to impact the nations. Release us to go and touch uh, communities and neighborhoods and places of work. And wherever you are sending us. Release us, Father, to make the nations glad. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alright, so what I'm going to do is, uh, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but I just believe there is a connection. This is a prophetic act. Uh, uh, I don't know, you could shout, uh, uh, can I see those hands again? There is a connection somewhere in the world. Look at those hands. Look around. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? God has put a place, a, a continent, uh, a, a, a community over your hand, uh, over your heart. And what we're going to do is just to release, you know, as if it's a shoot of your ribbon from where you are to the map over there. Can you see that one? <laughs> and uh, uh, so I would like you just uh, all over the place. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, I just shout out whatever city. It could be a nation. It could be whatever. Uh, just shout it out. Just release. Let there be just a festivity. We may hear you. We may not hear you. Just shout it out. Is that all right? Is that all right, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, let's just go. Let's just go and I'll be uh, mentioning some places just, just as we go. Uh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Keep shouting it out. And over there, Africa, Zambia, Nigeria, Egypt, Botswana, and South America, Chile, Brazil. and Spain, and France. Father, we worship you. We honor you. As we send our little shoot of that pin on that map of the world, 
I pray for a prophetic connection right now, dear Father, that, Lord, you would uh, make that in your own sovereign will connect us to where you have burdened us to. In the name of Jesus. Can I hear a big amen from somebody? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. God bless you.